0: thank you for coming and being a part of our service. We're going to be looking at authentic fellowship here this morning. And uh, for authentic fellowship to take place, it requires a oneness. It requires a oneness. I used to enjoy hunting when I was a little boy, and we'd be out in the fields, and and, uh, oftentimes I would get bored because I couldn't find anything to shoot. And and uh, But we would look up in the sky, and sometimes those geese would fly over. And I, just, I used to be amazed as I watched those geese fly over and how they fly in that formation. And uh, it used to be very impressive to me, and I'm still impressed with it today. I love to watch them. I love to see them. And uh, as they, they wing their way to warmer climates, they often will, will travel thousands of kilometers to get to, their, to, to get to their destination. And it's fascinating to watch, and I've done some research on it. And uh, I've discovered a few things I want to share with you here this morning. Those in front, the leaders, they rotate their leadership. Uh, when they get tired and they get um, weary, they'll move out of that position, and another one will come in and take their place and take on those headwinds, uh, which allows them to continue on with their flight. Uh, by, by flying as they do in that V shape, the members of the uh, the flock create an upward current. Now, I don't know if you've seen any of those uh, movies sometimes with the planes but you've got two planes that are flying and one plane will get behind the other plane and they get sometimes they call it sometimes the wash and it's really hard to fly behind the other plane. Well that's because there's a downward draft behind those planes but the way that works you have that downward draft but what that does is it creates an upward draft over on the outside of the wings. And so this is what happens as they fly as the one in, in, in front of them creates that downward draft it creates an up draft over on the wing side and by flying in that v formation they don't have to work as hard in order to stay in the air and so because of that they tell us that they can actually travel maybe 70 71 percent greater flying range working in that in that v shape as they would on their own and so that's fascinating to me to be able to see that how they work together to do that also whenever one goose gets sick or wounded Two will fall out of formation and follow it down in order to help and protect it. And then whenever it's better, they will all come together and they'll fly, uh, fly away together once the struggler can fly again. I find that fascinating. Also, the geese in the rear, uh, they're the one in the formation that's doing all the honking. Now, we don't know really why they do the honking. Maybe they're back there saying, hey, you know, I'm still back here. I'm still with you. Uh, or maybe they're the ones sort of looking out over the whole flock there. And if they see one, you know, uh, start to dive down, you know, they can honk out, man down, man down, you know, uh, and, and uh, let everybody know that you got somebody going down. Uh, or, or maybe uh, maybe they're back there just to encourage. Maybe they're back there, you know, you got the guy at front, and he's leading it. He's taking on the headwind. And he's just saying, you know, you, you, you just go, man. You know, just keep honking on for him, right? Just to encourage him. We don't know why they honk, uh, but they do. And I find that fascinating as I go and I read that and I study that, uh, they work together to get to their final destination. And as I think about this, one lesson stands out above all others, and it's this, that it's a natural thing, it's a natural instinct for geese to work together. It's natural for them to do so. Whether it's rotating, whether it's flapping, whether it's helping, whether it's simply honking, the flock is working together in order to get to their destination, and it enables them to accomplish what they set out to do. And when I think of an authentic fellowship, this is sort of what I have in mind. This is what I envision. Believers coming together as one to accomplish more than they would be able to do on their own. And when we talk about uh, people that are, um, uh, have gotten the benefit of this authentic fellowship. There's a number of you that have that have got the, the benefit of being a part of this fellowship. And I'm grateful for that, and I'm thankful for all that God has done with this fellowship. But uh, we have one guy in particular. Brad, come on up. And um, many of you know Brad. Uh, we had a t- chance to pray for him not too long ago. And he's really gone through a few things and struggles in his life. And um, he's had the benefit of being a part of this authentic fellowship. So let us know what God's laid on your heart. Maybe.
1: Good morning, everyone. Yes, as Dwayne said, there's been some stuff going on for us. Uh, cancer. We all know someone who's experienced it um, or, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, within the family or friends or work colleagues or what have you. Um, but when you get it yourself, uh, that's that's a that's a life changer, that one. That gives you a different perspective on things. Um, so just just want to share a little bit of uh, insight to the journey that we've been on. And um, there's a lot more to it than what I've got to say here. So just before Christmas last year, I had a bit of pain. Well, actually a fair, fair whack of pain, actually. <laughs> that got me to, uh, thinking something's not right here. So we got some scans done. Uh, then off to the GP's visit, and I give you a bit of a rundown of uh, what's going on there. But I had a scan done at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. 5 o'clock that afternoon, the doctor calls me and says, hey, can you come and see me first thing tomorrow morning? Uh, so then I thought, oh, okay, this is <laughs> something's not good here. Um, so he went through it and he was uh, telling me, yes, look, it's cancer. it's pretty straight up with it. Um, but then he, he made a couple of comments. One of them was, um, so do you have a large family? And I said, yeah. And gave him the rundown of that. And um, so you live in Donnybrook. Do you know many people in Donnybrook? I said, yeah. My workplace is fairly central to a lot of people in Donnybrook, I'm thinking, where are you going here? Well, naturally, I'm thinking, am I going to the checkout real quick here? (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of doubts there. It was a bit scary seeing that, uh, hearing that, I should say. Um, So this morning, I just wanted to share a couple of images with you. Um, And there's a couple of medical images in here. So if you're a bit queasy or whatever, uh, look away now. So the first one, this is uh, a picture of my insides, if you've ever wanted to know that. Um, so if we, have a, if we have a look at it, uh, when the scans get done, anything that's lit up bright is cancer. Um, so for me, the big white patch down the bottom in the pelvic area um, is a big mass, a big tumour that was about 18 centimetres. The, uh, the yellowy uh, highlighted one, that's about a 10 or 12 centimetre one just below the kidney and there's another one a little bit further up and there was actually one along the neck as well. Um, so when we, went to the, when we went to Fiona Stanley Hospital, the haematologist showed Jen and I this image for the first time and this is what hit us. Um, I knew I had a bit of pain, I knew something wasn't right but to see multiple sites like this, uh, I think the scary factor went up pretty, pretty big time. Um, found out that we had lymphoma cancer And it's a stage four cancer, which is the highest level. It's like, where to from here? There's not far to go. So uh, shortly afterwards, um, the feelings that we went through, wow, this is is pretty serious. Um, Uncertainty, what's next? Uh, Tears and numbness of mind. I think uh, a foggy mind (laughs) is what we went through for a bit there. After the initial shock of, uh, of dealing with this, um, look, it got me into the word more than ever before. Uh, and a, a psalm that struck, that struck me was um, Psalm 28 and verse 7. And I'll just read that. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and which my song I give thanks to him. Once we uh, got over the initial shock of it, is okay. What do we do from here? And it was decided to go with chemo. So here's what it here's what it can look like when you're having chemo. <laughs> you're sitting in a bed. Um, there's a drip hanging off you. There's cannulas hanging off you. Uh, syringes, tablets, um, and this is what I got to look forward to earlier this year. Now the the first thing that struck me, struck me going to Fiona Stanley Hospital was just the size of the cancer cancer wards. Um, they, they deal with hundreds of patients. All of a sudden, pretty quickly, you don't realise that it's just all about you. <laughs> You're just part of a bigger system that the cancer's huge around us. Over the course of time, I was there. Well, I was there for four for four sessions, and each session lasts a number of hours. And during that time. You see other people around you, obviously, in beds or chairs, depending on where you're being treated. And I get, because I'm there for a number of hours, you get to meet people. And I got to meet people and get their names and learn about their stories about what they're going through. And each, each time I finished my treatment, I said, praise God, I have what I have. Now, you might look at that previous slide and go, cripes. But for me, learning the stories of these other people a lot of them didn't have an end, I, I had an end um, in terms of uh, I was assured what the treatment would be able to do with my particular cancer and you know what would come out at the end of it. For a lot of these other people they are in a desperate state, maybe once a week they're going into these places and they don't have an end for them. Um, so I felt encouraged that hey I'm better off than any of these people that I met during the course of my sessions. After uh, about 60 days, you have scans to see if the chemo is working, because that's what I was worried about. Thinking you guys are pumping me full of all this stuff, <laughs> um, but what's going to happen? Is it doing anything? So it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty key time in the during the sessions uh, is to get to a point where you can take a scan. So I'm going to put another image up, and it's the same bloke. This is this is amazing. There's no highlights. The big white patch is gone. There's no highlighted there. God's amazing. So this is what they call complete remission. And that means we can't see anything. The cancer's not there. Um, I've got amazing faith in the the people that, that helped me through this. And God is in it all the way. He's helping out the doctors. He's creating the... The medicines or what have you but ultimately here's our great healer and this is the marvelous miracle of healing that he's put on my life Um, when that first came up I was thinking nah mate you got the wrong Blake (laughs) I saw what this slide was a few months back and it wasn't it was a lot different to this Uh, so this is this is where we are today Um, during that time of the chemo look I've had the side effects I've had the hair loss I've got nerve damage. I've got muscular control issues, and I went to some pretty uh, depressed sort of states as well. It's not a, it's not an easy road. Um, you get to a pretty low point. I've come out of that now, praise God, and I'm feeling really pretty good. I've still got some challenges, but we'll we'll pray through those. There's been some amazing people in this congregation that have helped us physically, um, and. To quote an old expression, they've been the hands and feet of Jesus in our lives. Um, You know who you are, and you've blessed us enormously, and we thank you so much. That's from Jen and my family. Going forward, um, we still need prayer. Um, There's uh, endurance for our family that we need to pray for. Um, There's keeping this cancer at bay. I've got a cancer that could come back. This is not a cut-out job and see you later. There's a... threat if you like over my life continually Um, it's not something that goes away because of how it works through the body i can share that with you if you want to know um we do some more scans at the end of june so we can be praying that we see lots of these pictures here (laughs) this from this point forward i i don't know what tomorrow holds um, with this cancer but i know that i have peace through jesus christ if I believe that he grants me every breath and he alone know why, knows why I'm journeying through this, then mine is not to question him, but to draw nearer through the pain. It is well with my soul. There's a couple of songs that I've been uh, listening to pretty heavily. And I just want to read uh, a couple of lines of one of those songs. And I'll know there'll be days when this life brings me pain. But if this, if this is what it takes to praise you, Jesus, bring the rain. My eternity is secure with Jesus Christ. Thank you.
0: With a show of hand, how many of you will continue to pray for Brad and his family? Okay. This is what an authentic fellowship does. This is what an authentic fellowship is all about. When we have somebody in our church that's in need, we step up and we help out. And uh, I want to especially from the church, thanks those that those that uh, went out and gave him a hand and uh, helped him out and assisted him and his family. I appreciate that. All of those that have been praying for him, we are grateful for that as well. And um, I pray that you'll continue to to pray for the Johnson family. Well, open up your your bulletins and uh, you got your notes in there, and we'll get stuck into our lesson here today. Number one, authentic fellowship requires one bread. It requires one bread. And if you want to write beside that, community, community. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, it says, For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now, who is the bread that we're referring to here? Well, if you go and look at the next verse in John chapter 6, verse 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life and so here we have many that are becoming one and that's exactly what a community is many people coming together as one now in writing this message i had some bananas that were going off and so i thought you know what i'm gonna make some banana bread you know that's what you do when your bananas go off you make banana bread right so i got my wife's recipe out and I put it on the uh... the counter and uh... i like to have everything lined up and ready to go make sure i've got everything before i get uh, really get stuck into it and get started so I've got all the ingredients setting up on the, the cabinet there, on the, on the bench top, and uh, if I were to go through and actually have a little taste of all those ingredients, it probably wouldn't be very pleasant, would it? It wouldn't be very pleasant at all. But having multiple ingredients put into one bowl, mixing them all together, and applying some heat, all of those ingredients came together to be one loaf. Now, with my banana bread, maybe I do mine a little bit different than yours, if I were to cut my banana bread and uh, have a look inside my banana bread, I can't really tell what the ingredients are. I mean, I can't go in there and look at there and say, oh, there's a little bit of salt there. Oh, there's a little bit of sugar over here. Hey, I think that's some milk over there. It's all blended together, even bananas, all blended together in order to make one loaf. Take a moment. We're going to get weird here for just a moment. Take a moment and look at the person beside you. Have a look at them. Now, if they start asking for your phone number, tell them to turn the other cheek, okay? You're looking too hard. All right, look at the person on the other side of you. Look at the person in front of you. Look at the person behind you. Do you notice something? We're all different. We're all different. And if you would have to take the time to go and have a chat to them and talk to them, you'll also find out, you know, their hobbies are different, their families are different, um, and you'll probably find much more differences once, once again. We are all different, but yet we all have come here this morning to this church to become one all together. And that's what ingredients do. And we've come here for a greater purpose. You see, we've all come together for a purpose greater than ourselves. Those individual ingredients in my banana bread, they won't bring me the satisfaction my palate is so longing for. It's just not going to happen by themselves. They have to be all put together. They have to be all baked together in order to get the intended goal. Well, each of those ingredients have a purpose beyond itself. The church is not much different. The church... It's not about one single individual. It's not about one specific ingredient. We all come together in order to be one. Now, I'm not a baker. Well, actually, no, I am a baker. I bake banana bread, so I I am a baker. Not a very good one. And I don't know all the ins and outs of baking, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't know how all that works and the the purpose of all the ingredients and things like that and how the ingredients react with one another in order to produce the desired results. I just know when I take these ingredients and I put it in the bowl, mix it, put it in the oven for the appropriate time, I get banana bread. Okay, That's the extent of my knowledge here. I just know that when you put all those ingredients together, they can accomplish more than they can on their own. They're not going to do much good sitting in the cabinets all on their own. And I've spoken to people who, have, uh, who profess to be Christians. And I've invited them to come to church. And maybe you have as well. And uh, sometimes you may get some excuses about, oh, that's just a bunch of hypocrites in the church or whatever. They don't want to come to church. Or maybe they may say something simple like, hey, you know what? I don't need to go to church. You know, I can go and worship God from my home all by myself. I can worship God from my boat. I can worship God from my, my beach house. Maybe you can worship God on your own. But are you effective on your own? Can you be all that God wants you to be all on your own? I believe there's a reason why God tells us in his word not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. There's a reason why we come to church. And I believe with that verse, just to put it out there you know, pretty bluntly, if the church doors are open, well, then you should be here, if all possible. This is what this verse is saying here. We have some very talented people in our church, but they can't do everything. By coming together, we can accomplish more. We must bring together our diversity and our talents and our knowledge in order to become one, just like that bread loaf. We take all of these ingredients, and we mix them up, and we can accomplish more by us working together. Notice, secondly, authentic fellowship requires one body. And you can write beside that the church. And again, back in verse 17, For we, though many, are one bread and one body. for We are all partakers of the one bread. We have individual members, but we come together as one body. Now, would we be very effective if we were all one big eyeball? What if we all looked like this? What if we were all one big eyeball? You might be able to get a job working at Monsters, Inc., but that's about it. By placing the eye into the body it can accomplish more by working together with other members. Each member has a purpose. If if the eye decided it would rather be a foot, all right, fine, you take the eyeball, you attach it to the bottom of your your ankle, and you go for a walk and you see what happens. You put your body weight on that eyeball, that little sucker's going to pop and it's going to be nasty and you're not going to be able to use it anymore, right? You're done with it. Why? Because it's not designed to be a foot. It's designed to be an eyeball. And um, whenever it comes to the church, the Corinthian church has some issues with some gift envy. And uh, they didn't want to uh, do what God has called them to do. Instead, they desired the gifts of others. They wanted all the showy gifts. They wanted to be in the spotlight. And so Paul had to go and address this, and he said that you can't all be the same thing. If you do, nothing will be accomplished. Can you imagine if all of you here today were preachers? And you were all up here on stage, all at the same time, and you were preaching God's word. But it wouldn't be very effective, would it? You see, we all can't be preachers. And this is what Paul is telling them. You have a responsibility. God has given you a talent. He has given you a gift, and he expects you to use that that gift and that talent for him. And when we take our roles seriously, then we can accomplish more collectively as a whole. Now, I'm from the States, if you can't tell from my accent. And uh, growing up in the States, I love watching football, NFL. We call it gridiron here. And uh, I enjoy the game, and uh, I love to, to watch it, and, uh, and, I, and I try to. I know they do it on free air here, and we try to get together and watch it a little bit here every now and then when I have the time. And, uh, but I, I enjoy it. And uh, there is a, uh, a coach named Herman Edwards, and he's a colorful witty coach uh, who's with the Kansas City Chiefs. And when it came to his thoughts on teamwork, this is what he said. Listen to what he said. The players that play on this football team will play for the name on the side of the helmet, not the name on the back of the jersey. I like that. I like that. This is about this team, not about an individual. And so I like what he said here. When you, when you get up on Sunday morning and you look in that reflection in the mirror Understand that this church doesn't exist just for the person in the mirror. This church exists for the person in the heart, and that's Jesus Christ. This is why we're here. This is why we do what we do. It's all because of Jesus. It can't all be about one member. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 puts it this way. It said, for for in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set its members, each one of them, in the body. Notice this next bit here. Watch this. Just as he pleased. Just as he pleased. And verse 24 continues on But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which, it, which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. We've experienced that with Brad and with others. When we get the news that they've got cancer, man, it hurts. We experience that with them. If one member is honored, All the members rejoice with it. And just like we did, we found out that his cancer is in remission. We rejoice with that. It's exciting to hear that. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. Authentic and genuine fellowship requires us not only to be one, but to work together as one. We can accomplish more by working together. Uh, You can't view this church like a gym membership. You know what I'm saying? You can't can't view the church like a gym membership wondering what you can get out of it. You can't come here and say, oh, you know, I paid my dues. I've done this. I've done that. What's in it for me? Though you may get some benefit from being a part of uh, this church, and I hope you do. Rather, we come together like a spiritual hospital seeking to assist and helping others without Christ and those that are in need. And when we start thinking that the church is all about us, let's be honest, we can actually become Quite selfish in our worship can we not when, it all, when it's all about us we can become critical of the church and we can become critical of the leadership and it's cause division but if we can come together as one for the purpose of all we can accomplish more number three authentic fellowship requires one head you can put beside that christ in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, it says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Who is the head? It tells us right there. Christ. Christ is the head from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth through the body for the edifying of itself in love. There is one head. Only one head is required. It's unnatural for the body to have two heads. I mean, both heads will have to make the decision in order for the body to move in the one direction, would it not? It's unnatural for that. You don't see that a lot. It's also, if we look at the body and it has no head, what do you call that? Dead. The body has no head, is dead. In order for the body to work effectively, it must have one head. Who's the head of this church? I'm sure glad you didn't say pastor. Oh, my. Can you imagine, man, if I had to be the head of this church, I can tell you right now, it would fail. And as Michael, as great as he is, he would probably tell you the same thing. It would fail. You see, it's Christ that is the head of this church. It has to be Christ. And when Christ is the head of the church, we have this promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Why? Because we can't do it in our power. We have to be relied upon His power because it's His church. And we must understand that. One head rules the body. The actions of the body are controlled by the head. And there are times when um, I have back spasms. And I'm laying in bed, man, I tell you what, it affects the whole body. It affects my wife as well. You know, it, it, you, you can feel it. And some of you are runners. I know even Brad himself, he's a runner. And uh, when you guys are running and you get that cramp in your leg, boy, it just affects the whole body. Sometimes you actually have to stop and start rubbing out the cramp so that you can continue on. Is that right? When you're a runner, we see that. I mean, the, the mind says, you know, he wants to go, 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 go. But the whole body's like, no, hang on. There's, there's a member that's not cooperating here. We can't go. One thing that can destroy a church in a hurry are members who refuse to work together. I've seen it time and time again. The whole body wants to move in that direction, but you got this foot that just, it just ain't cooperating. You know, it just slows you down. You can't live up to your God-given potential because of that member. But if we can be united as one head and do his will, then we can accomplish more what God intends for us to accomplish. Number four, authentic fellowship requires one influence. And you can write beside that, comforter. Comforter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Later on, whenever Jesus is talking about giving us the spirit to his disciples, he refers to him as the comforter. This is where we get that word from, comforter. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if you're saved. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. That doesn't mean you get a little bit of the leader of the Spirit here and a little Spirit, a leader of the Spirit here. That's not what I was talking about. Whenever you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, you get all of the Spirit within you. But the question is, does the Spirit have all of you? That's the question. And he gives the uh, illustration in the Scripture about being filled with the Spirit, much like being filled with wine. The Bible says, do not be filled with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Look, when one is filled with alcohol, um, it makes a a difference in their life. You can have a guy that is uh, timid and shy, and you can get him loaded up on alcohol, and man, he can become the life of the party or he can become a royal pain in society, depending on how the alcohol has an effect on his body. It takes control over his body. It affects him. We're not to be giving ourselves over to alcohol, whereas in excess, but to the Spirit, the Scriptures tell us. Allow the Spirit to influence you. Allow Him to empower you to do good works within the body of Christ so that you can use your gifts for the Lord. But also, we look, lastly, at the authentic fellowship, and it requires one goal. And here, we have commission. Commission. Many of you, if you've been in church uh, for any length of time, you've heard about the Great Commission. And some of you may be able to quote the Great Commission. Well, in 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 Mark here, chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if you go and look at the Great Commission in Matthew, it actually gives you a little bit more instructions that you are to go out and and preach the gospel to them, that you are to win them over, that you were to to baptize them, and you were to make disciples, and then you were to teach them to go out and do that very same thing. That is our Great Commission in our church. This is our goal. This is our focus. This is the reason why this church exists is to reach others for Jesus Christ. This is why you're still here on earth, in order to reach others for Jesus Christ. And we do this by working together as a church. It's not just the responsibility of the pastor and leadership to go and to witness. It's not just the responsibility of the pastor and leadership to go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ. It's not just the pastor and leadership that are going out and divide other people to church. Listen, we do that collectively together together as a church. This is all of our responsibility. And this is why we're here, in order to see people come and know Jesus Christ as Savior. Today, we stop leading people to Jesus Christ, we might as well just shut the door and don't waste our time. Go home. This is why we're here. And we do this by working together. If one hand wants to go left and the other hand wants to go right, neither will accomplish it. And this is why we have a vision here at Southwest Baptist Church that we drill into you week after week after week after week. What is Southwest Baptist Church all about? What are we wanting to do here? Say it with me. Three things. We want to connect, grow, and serve. Let's try that again. We want to connect, grow, and serve. If you need to cheat, You can look right behind me, okay? This is what this church is about. We want to connect with God as we connect with each other. We want to grow in the grace of God. And through that, we can grow in our relationships with one another. And we want to serve God as we go out and serve others and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. This is what this church is about. We want to connect, grow, and serve. This is our goal. And I hope you can take that to heart. There was a, a company, they have their annual picnic every year, and, and this time they, they, they thought, you know, let's, let's spice things up a little bit. And so they went and they uh, talked to a rival company, and they said, we want to invite you to come along to our picnic, and we want to challenge you to a boat race. And so they said, okay, we accept. And so on the day, they showed up, and, uh, man, they had all the banners. They had the flags going. They had the colors going, the bands going. I mean, it was full on. Everybody was excited to see this race. And they put the, rate, the, the boats in, in the water, and everybody was gearing up for it. And then the race started. The gun went off, and they took off. And the rival team blew past the, uh, the, the host team and left them in their wake. And they didn't know what happened. And they won the race by 11 links. Now, of course, this was quite embarrassing for the host company uh, to have their doors blown off uh, in the race. And so uh, they decided they were going to uh, uh, do something about it. So they appointed uh, a committee to go and place responsibility for the failure and to make recommendations for, the, uh, for improvement so that the host team, whenever they come back the following year, they have a better chance of winning. So the committee appointed several task force, and uh, they studied the very aspects of the race. They met for three months and issued a preliminary report. Here was their report. In essence, the, they reported that the rival crew had been unfair. They had eight people rowing and one coxswain steering and shouting out the beat. The report said, we had one person rowing and eight coxswains. The chairman of the board thanked the committee and sent them away to study the matter even further and to make recommendations for a rematch. Four months later, the committee came back with their recommendation. Here was their recommendation. Our guy needs to row faster. (laughs) Think about that. When I say that we need to work together, I don't mean that you need to be in the back shouting to people in the front doing the work. You need to row faster. That's not what I'm talking about. We need to get our backsides off these nice comfy chairs, put our hand to the oar, and we need to start rowing. All members are important. All members are important. It doesn't matter what gift you have been given. The value of it increases when you use it within the body of Christ. If someone were to give me a monster truck, that would be kind of cool. I like monster trucks, but I can't drive it on the road. And I'm definitely not going to go comp- compete in it. It would just sit there in my driveway. It would be kind of cool for a while. People drive by my house and see my nice big monster truck. But really... It has no value. I Can't do much with it. And pretty soon I'm going to be aggravated having to go around my monster truck to get in, out of in my driveway. It has no value for me because I can't use it the way it's intended to be used. When you have ingredients to go in your, your banana bread, if you leave it in, in the closet up on the shelf, it really doesn't have a whole lot of value. It's only when you bring them together and you use them within the body of Christ, does it eventually have value? Bring your God-giving gifts with you when you attend church. Bring them within the body so that we can accomplish more for Jesus Christ. We're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. This is our end goal. Let me ask you, what talent has God given to you? What talent has God given to you? You may say, Dwayne, you know, I, I, I looked at my life and, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at this. Great. I'm glad you got that nailed down. There may be some of you say, hey, you know what, Dwayne? I really don't know what my talent is. I don't know what my God given talent is. Well, then let me encourage you to go and talk to people who know you. Go and ask them. Say, hey, What do you think my God-given talent is? What do you think I can do for God? And sometimes they may be able to see a talent in you that you may not be able to see yourself. Also, you can go online and they've got these spiritual gifts tests that may go and give you some insight as to the direction that maybe God is leading you. But let me encourage you this week to really pray about this. And if you don't know what your God-given talent is, or maybe you've got several of them, you don't know which one to use then I'll spend some time praying about this this week and say, God, what is it that you would have me to do? What is it that I can do? What is it that I can excel at that you've allowed me to do that that, that I can go and use this gift for you? And then the second question is, how can I use that talent within our authentic fellowship? It's not enough to just recognize your talent. You're like, oh, that's great. Put it back on the shelf. Because that's not where the value is. Once you discover your talents and how you can use your talent for the Lord, that's the question that you need to answer this week. You see, we all have a talent. And uh, there are a number of areas in our church ministry here that we need bodies. We need people to work. We've got the creche over there. If you like little babies and like getting spit up on, I'm just kidding. They don't do that. We've got good babies here. They don't even poop in their diaper or their, their nappy, so you're, you're right to go, right? But if you, can, um, if you like the little kids, dealing with little kids, hey, we've got a place for you. If you like teaching the older kids, we've got a place for you. If you like hanging out with the youth, we've got a place for you. Uh, the tea ministry, uh, do you enjoy tea between services? Well, it doesn't just magically appear. We don't have magical tables out there. Somebody's got to do the work. And if you like, if you're a baker like me, And you like to bake? Well, then bring something along on Sunday so we all can enjoy your gift of baking. See, this is what this is about. You go through and you have a look and see where can I use my talents in this ministry? We have set up on Friday nights, So if you can push a vacuum, if you can push a broom, if you can do a blower, clean the window, set up chairs, you're welcome to come Friday nights right here. And you can use your talents for the Lord. If you uh, like MOPS, if you want to get involved with MOPS, there's opportunities there. We have a number of ministries where you can go and get involved and you can use your talents that God has given to you. And if you'd like more information about that, you can take those uh, cards that you have inside your bulletin and you can put on there, hey, I'd like to know more information about this. Also, out on the table, there's a number of sign-up sheets out there. If there's a ministry, have a look out there. And there's a ministry you want to be involved with, sign your name. Put your name down. You can say, hey, you know what, Dwayne, you can count on me. I'll be here for that. I can be involved with that. I can do that. I can use the talent that God has given me for this authentic fellowship. So if you'd like to be a part of this authentic fellowship, you want to be a part of it, well, then it starts with having Christ as your head. It starts with having Christ as your head. This comes about with having a relationship with God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if He is not the head of your life, what we need to understand is that Jesus Christ died for us. You see, we need to understand that we are sinners. We are born sinners, and we are in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ gave His life on the cross and paid for our sins so that we can be saved. And if you're willing to recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, and you're willing to make Him your head, and you believe that he died for you, well, then you can be saved here this morning. And if you would like some information on that, and again, you've got those cards, fill it out and put on there, you know, your contact details. Hey, Dwayne, Michael, I'd love to know a little bit more about how I can come and know Jesus Christ as Savior make him the head of my life. And we would love to take the word of God and sit down with you and show you how you can be saved. Again, this is why we're here. This is it. This is our goal is to see people come and know Jesus Christ as Savior. To have an authentic fellowship, there must be a spirit of oneness. Oh, there's got to be a spirit of oneness. We've got to work together if we're going to have a successful church here. All of us coming together, using our talents to fulfill God's goal in our community and also in our world. Contact us this week. Find out how you can become a part of this fantastic, authentic fellowship here at Southwest Baptist Church. We'd love for you to come and be a part of it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our time. And Lord, as we think about our talents that you have given to us, God, we are so blessed that, Lord, that uh, you not only saved us, but you gave us the ability to be a part of a greater purpose than ourselves. And, Lord, as we think about our community, as we think about people in in our circle of influence, Lord, that need you. I pray, God, that you would give us the boldness that we need to speak out with them. Lord, it can't be just all the leadership. It can't be just the pastors. There are so many people out there that I cannot reach. They're not in my circle of influence, uh, but they're in yours. And so, Lord, as we think about our community and we think about those that need Jesus, God, I pray that we keep this goal in mind, that we're here to see people come to know Christ. And, Lord, as you take our talents, Lord, and you use them for your glory and your honor. Lord, I pray that this ministry would be blessed. I pray that we would grow. And I pray that we could expand uh, our, our outreach efforts, Lord, as we see others come and know Christ. We thank you, Lord. Help us to, to have the boldness that we need to step up and do what you have called us to do. And We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.